Ryan. There is a place I'd give the world to see Where the music's softly playing And the rhythm's gently swaying Underneath the stars and a million bars Guitars are softly saying Mexico Mexico! That only means it's time for one thing here. It's time to go to Central America slash South America. And our main man in Mexico, John Bonfilio, the latest from that continent. Uh, good morning, John. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? Don't tell that to any uh, uh, Mexicans near you because they'll emphatically say that Mexico is in North America. Oh, is it North America? Not Central oh. or South America. Oh, shame. Sorry. And get very, and get very cross with you. Oh, shit. Let's not tell anybody. That, that, that didn't happen. That, no, no one's listening. That didn't happen. That didn't no. Scratch. Scratch that there. How are you, John? You well? I'm good. How are you? I'm very well, mate. Very, very well. Um, and let's kick off then with uh, COP27 and the returning hero I've got here, Lula and Villan Madrell. If I pronounce that correctly? Maduro. Maduro, even. Maduro. Nicolas, Nicolas Maduro. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, really interesting. Like two big figures in Latin American politics that have gone back to, to the COP, uh, just now for the, fir- for the first time in, in a number of years. No surprise with Lula. Lula, uh, receiving huge crowds. Uh, heroes welcome, uh, has promised to restore the Amazon rainforest to pursue climate criminals and, and protect indi- indigenous peoples. And, and really a little bit of that is because it is him and what he's saying. But a lot of it is actually because it's not Jair Bolsonaro, because uh, the, the potential environmental horror of another four years of Bolsonaro feels at least as though it's been abated, even though Lula's environmental record when he was president between 2003 and 2010 wasn't exactly brilliant. But everybody's forgetting about that now, given what's taken place over the last four years. And then, irony of ironies, Nicolas Maduro, president of Venezuela, is suddenly everybody's favorite statesman again. And has uh, he'd been avoiding the COP for a few years because you know, basically a persona non grata for many reasons. But now he's, he's greeting all the other leaders left, right and center. And on the face of it, it's because he's an- announcing new protection strat- strategies for the Amazon. But actually, the reason which ev- why everybody's very keen to see him again now is all to do with Ukraine and Russia and the massive oil reserves that Venezuela has, the biggest known um, oil reserves on Earth, Venezuela has so massive irony that Maduro, with his oil reserves, is at the COP, and that's why he's being greeted uh, very happily by all the other leaders. It's got nothing to do with the environment. It's the opposite of the environment, in fact. And just thought in Brazil and, and Bolsonaro, um, obviously losing out in the election there. I know, I know it was a little while ago, but how's that gone down there? Because I, I remember reading some reports about it being like a, uh, you know, some kind of Trump-esque type um, refusal to accept the decision. Yeah, I mean, it's been really interesting. In, in terms of how it's been received there, for sure the, the, the population and the people are very, very split. And as is happening with many other countries at the moment, it's not even so much how much you support your candidate, it's how much you hate the other other candidates Mm. or the other side. So that's really, you know, driving people forward. Um, Thankfully, luckily, um, the democratic process has come to an end. Bolsonaro has not questioned the the validity of the elections, even though everybody thought that he was going to. He seems to have been talked down from that particular particular point and position. Um, And civil strife has been, again, thankfully, at a minimum, and the big fear that the military and the police would go out onto the streets in support of him didn't come to to pass. So at the moment, I, I think it's it, it's probably true to say that 
this, given the fears that everybody had around this Brazilian uh, election process and result, that uh, it's been an absolute best case scenario in terms of the outcome. Um, okay, let's look at some, let's move to movie time now and Wakanda Forever, uh, the new Black Panther movie, which features Mexican Tenoch Huera. If I pronounce that one correctly, probably not. Tenoch Huerta Mejia. Okay, so no, then no, I didn't pronounce it. Not even close. Not even close. <laughs> sorry, <us> sorry. <laughs> Look, everybody's talking about Wakanda Forever and everybody's been talking about uh, Black Panther movies for a few years now in terms of, you know, the, the positioning of uh, people of, of color at the forefront of a major uh, global box office hit. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, big kudos to them as well for not just keeping it in, in terms of the, uh, you know, the, the black and particular African-American experience, but also moving that across now to uh, figures like, and this this new civilization in Wakanda Forever, led by this uh, anti-hero, Tenoch Huerta, uh, who himself is interestingly an anti-racism activist um, and, you know, bringing the the uh, the Mayans of the Yucatan or a, or a parallel people that approximate to the Mayans of the Yucatan to the forefront of a global movie as well and yeah everybody's certainly here uh, nobody's really seen Mexican uh, brown-skinned representation in such a global box office hit uh, in in history and we we still exist or Mexican TV and film still largely exists in a context in which most people are tall and white and do not approximate at all to the darker skinned individuals that, uh, that live in, in, in Mexico. In fact, Tenoch Huerta himself has said the TV in Mexico, it looks as though it's been made by Scandinavians rather mm. than anybody who approximates to, to a Mexican. Interesting also for him because no formal acting, uh, background at all. His father just saw something in him and sent him to, to classes and he's been, you know, making his way up through a series of films and, and TV for the last 10 years or so and now has really absolutely you know, hit the big time, but everybody here is very much talking about uh, Wakanda forever and Denoch Huerta Mejia, which is a little bit of a surprise, I think. Lovely. Um, we're only hours away now from the World Cup, um, John. Um, I drew Mexico, actually, in the uh, the talk sports uh, sweepstake here, so I'll be keeping across um, their progress. They're in a very tough group, but does it, does it being in Qatar bother that many people um, from Mexico, and, and what about other countries there in in in, uh, in North and 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 these South America? Um, a, how do they feel about it being in Qatar? But secondly, uh, is it is it looking like it's going to be Brazil and or Argentina in the final? Yeah, the the, the political angle is for sure uh, different here. Almost no chat here about whether it was right to take it to. Qatar uh, and and so on, and really that's not because there isn't conversation around human rights and uh, LGBT communities and so on. I think it's actually because people here are so fanatical about football that everything else falls by the wayside, and and really it's not really being looked at in any way beyond that. In terms of the chances of the teams here, I think you're right. I, I mean, uh, most of these teams are fairly well versed uh, and and ready to play in conditions of extreme heat. I mean, if they were to play, if there was a World Cup in uh, sub-Arctic Canada, perhaps they wouldn't be so keen on it. But, uh, but really, this sort of really plays into the kind of footballing style of a Brazil, Argentina, and uh, and Mexico. How, how are you feeling about your uh, your sweepstake uh, opportunity with Mexico, by the way? Well, I wasn't initially um, too upset about it. You know, I'd be like, I'll take that. I'll follow them. It could be quite fun. And then I saw the group. 
I was like, oh, okay, yeah. great. They're not, they're, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, not as hopeful, um, or as excited indeed as, as I was initially. They've got, they've got, uh, Argentina, Saudi Arabia and Ghana, I think in, in, in mm-hmm. that, is that correct mm-hmm. in their group? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean. I think they'll get through the group. Um, I mean, oh, you Mexico's do? pretty, pretty, yeah, I think Mexico will, uh, I mean, they put, for the last okay. eight World Cups, they've got through to the last 16. They have, they and, have. And lost there. So they, they do have a, a, a degree of pedigree and they've got always really talented footballers. I mean, not to the same ex- quite extent as your Brazil and Argentina. In fact, with Brazil, a computer this week pulled out the fact that they have a one in four chance of, uh, of winning. They ran the, uh, the matches over a thousand times and it looks as though Brazil is, yeah, is the likely, the likely indicated winner. The thing I'd say about Brazil in their group, going back to what you're talking about, tough groups, is they're in group G with Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland, Cameroon. They'll definitely come through that. I mean, almost certainly in first place. But w- whether they come in first or second place, they're then going to meet in the round of 16 against Portugal or Uruguay. Mm. And despite the fact that Brazil are for sure one of the leading contenders to, to win. That is a really tough round of 16 group. I mean, Uruguay, they don't necessarily regularly beat Brazil, but they definitely have their number on a series of occasions. And we all know that Portugal on their day can take anybody down as well. Also interesting because Brazil have actually not met in top of the world rankings, but they've not met European opposition. I was just going to make that point. John, when, when so the very big unknown. When the um when the Brazil squad was announced, uh, I think it was last week, everybody over here was wetting themselves about how, you know, stacked it was in terms of talent. But a, a journalist I I I know who works in he's Brazilian, but he works in Argentina, said to me, there's a lot of us over here that actually are quite concerned and I said, "Well, why?" And he made that exact point. He said, "Everyone's looking at the squad and yeah, on paper they've got an insane amount of talent." But he felt that they may be a little bit a bit cold in terms of yeah. playing the best yeah. European teams. They've had this massive run, a bit like Argentina, a great run over the last two years of winning, 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 winning. But they haven't really left Central or South America a lot. Um, and, and that was his concern. Yeah. And if you look at uh, two classic epitomes of hard-nosed sides are Portugal and Uruguay. So yeah. whatever Brazil does <laughs> in the group, that is that is definitely a banana in the last 16. It is. It is. Um, listen, John, you've been great. Thanks for your time, pal. All right, take care. Uh, John Bonfilio there, uh, our main man uh, in Mexico.